And the title of the message is Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. And for those of you in the congregation, you know that we've put these recordings out, so I will greet those that are joining us online. It may not be through video, it may be just through audio, but we pray that the Lord would be with you and, and that you uh, feel welcome to reach out to us at marysvillepriestview.org. All right, let's get into the heart of the message. As we think about victory in Jesus, and I'd like for you to turn to your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. You may be accustomed for us to have our, uh, the Bibles up on the screen, but we have some new equipment. But uh, if you have your Bible on a phone, or you have your Bible, and your neighbor has a Bible, or, or wherever, but uh, you can listen along, we'll read it to you. But in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read some passages that are familiar to you. Philippians chapter 4, it's one of the Pauline epistles, which is a letter of Paul to the Philippians. It's in the New Testament. Uh, towards the back. And if you have trouble finding that, don't uh, just you'll learn. It's fine. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 20. Familiar passages to some of you, but maybe we'll bring out some things that you're not quite as familiar with, and we will read this in its entirety, verses 1 through 20, and then we'll work our way through it. We won't read the, the closing greetings at this time, but uh, let's read the main uh, body of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, and I will maybe highlight a couple of verses that we're going to come back to a little later. Therefore, my brethren and long for, therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, sorry, Euodia, and I implore uh, Synthic to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women's who la women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now we start moving into the core parts of our, of our message. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everything and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed uh, from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. 
Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Some of those passages, again, you're very familiar with. And you might um, anticipate what I'm going to say and some of the passage I've preached to the congregation before. But let's look at verses 4 through 7. We'll remind you of some things and bring out other things. But then when we get down in the uh, verses 10 through 14 in that area of the passage of Scripture, we're going to bring out some things maybe we haven't shared with you uh, in prior messages. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, say, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known, be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Then it says, be anxious. Have you ever been anxious? Think about anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Did you catch that piece, that part there? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard what? Your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So it's the peace of God that you can't really explain it. It doesn't make any sense that you have peace with God, possibly in the situation that you are in, but he will what? He will guard your hearts and minds. And what is the one of the things that is attacked in the midst of things that causes us anxiety? Well, anxiety itself is in our mind, but our hearts and minds, sometimes we're taken mentally to places that may not be as healthy, and we, we get down. And when we get down and depressed, it affects us physically. Some of you I know are, are familiar with that, but it, it wears you down. And when you get worn down, it starts to snowball. And so we want to find in these scriptures where we can reverse that, but we can have that peace of God that passes understanding in places that doesn't seem to make any sense, but that is the power of God. And some people might say, I don't know how you can, in the midst of the situation, whatever it is you are in, but it's through God's help. And so... Who or what is the source of your com comfort? What is your source of peace? Where do you go to get the answers? We'll talk in a little minute about being content, and, and you could look at scriptures about what we rely on, but for some people, they want more money. They go to the, they think if they have more money, it's going to solve the problems. So to get more money to solve the problems, they might go through a lots of different ways. And they might go through it, and they might say, well, if I gamble, I'm going to go down to the VFW, and I'm going to get out and play bingo. And yes, bingo is gambling. It's gambling. You're putting money down to get money back. It's gambling. It's a chance. You're trusting the God of chance. Trusting in the God of fate. Those are false gods that we'll, we find in the Old Testament. So uh, we're not to be gambling. We're putting our faith on, well, if I go down there, maybe I will win the lottery. So I'm going to buy my lottery ticket. And it's like, well, I'm only going to spend a dollar. But you've also cast your hope, you've cast that your hope that, that if you win that lottery, that's going to solve your problems, and the money will solve your problems, and it might breed new problems. What, what is your source of happiness? What is that your source of peace? Where do you go for your answers? It's saying here in this passage, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer is that communion with God, that conversation with God, and that supplication. You've got needs, you're asking. With thanksgiving, when God meets the needs, you need to be thankful. The thankfulness reminds us of where the help came from. But let your requests be made known to God. I want you to be reminded of the scripture that says that Jesus was talking about in the New Testament when he says, anything that you ask in my will, anything that you ask in my will. So if we're asking in accordance to God's will, what's it says? He will do it. Because if God's wanting it to happen, it's going to happen, right? If we're aligned with his will, even though it's difficult, we can rest in that. What is your source of comfort and peace? What is it that's causing your anxiousness? Are you trusting? We're going to come back around to that when we get to verse 10, but you can see where people, we get anxious about things. We want things. We, we try to engineer things. We try to make things get the results because they, we think those are the results that are the best results. And these are challenging things. This is a message for us all, including the preacher. In verse 8 and 9, we find some preventative measures. So how do you respond to the challenges? Are you seeking God? Do you have a prayer life, an act of communication with God? Are you looking to Him to solve your situation? Or do you go and buy the lottery ticket and say, Dear Lord, help me win this lottery. So you're trusting God to solve the problem the way you want Him to solve it. What if you trust Him with what the resolution should be? Not trust him just to respond to you like, hey God, I need you to do this right now. And if you don't do this, you must not love me. If you don't provide me a job right now, you must not love me. Why do you need a job? God to supply your needs. You trusting God with the resolution? Or are you demanding God respond in the way that you want him to? Preventative measures. Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, is there any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let me tell you something you probably already know. If you're going through difficult times and you have a lot of pressure, it's probably not the best time to watch the news. Especially if the new channel that says things that drive you crazy anyhow. It might be better to listen to some uplifting messages of how God walks through with us. I will say too that sometimes even the, the music of the church at the wrong time can come across kind of depressing because it's like, woe is me and God can help me. Woe is me, and God can help me. Man, I'm really woe, and God can help me. And I've had a really lifetimes, and it celebrates. Sometimes you need, a, you need that, but sometimes you need a little bit of uplift, right? You've got to sense those things, and don't let the devil drag you back into it and focusing on everything that's negative. Everything that's lovely, everything that's good report, and you might have to tell some people, that are trying to complain about their neighbor or something like that. It's like, you know, I really can't talk about that right now. 
They might be gossiping anyhow, so, you know, maybe you're just not good. But it's okay to tell people, hey, I'm trying to focus on some of the positive things. I know there's a war in Ukraine. I know there's this, and I know there's that, and I know there's this. Oh, by the way, we just spent 95% of our time talking about the woes, and did we get to the 5% of the time, uh, but I'll pray for you. Have we celebrated and thought about what God has done? Have we celebrated some of the joys that are out there? Have we done some things that are lifting us up? We have to get our heads up. In the book of Nehemiah, it talks about they were looking at the rubble. They forgot about that the wall was half built, and they looked about the half that wasn't built. A little once in a while it might be good to have a, a cup that's half full and not half empty. Preventive measures. Preventive measures. Think on those things. I see some things that concern me a little bit with uh, some people. May I say to you, now just uh, take this with some understanding. It's not the best to dwell on all the past hurts. It could be in a relationship. It's not well the best to, to focus on all your past failures. All the bad relationships, it's not helpful. It's not helpful to allow Satan to stir up all the bad things that you used to do and they're in your memory. You need to look forward and celebrate how God has helped you. Now, if you have unforgiven sins that you haven't taken to the cross, you need to be under conviction and that God will help you, that you will get forgiveness so that you can look forward. You can look forward. In Philippians 3.13 we find their brother, and I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Let's look forward to the victory that Jesus has for us. But one thing I do see, and I want to caution you, it is healthy to grieve for people that you have lost. It's healthy to remember, but I don't think it's healthy to live in the graveyard. At some point, you need to move forward. I don't think it's disrespectful. I'll get a little bit real, but I think as pastor, I, just to be helpful, to have a constant reminder of all the people that you've lost on the back of your window, of your car, I don't know if that's helpful. I'm not saying that you forget them. At some point, you have to move on. I don't think it's helpful, and I know that it's been done to have a shrine set apart too long in your house for the people that you lost because you have a constant reminder of what you lost. And I know those losses are painful. And there's a healthy time of grieving, and it can take a long time, but at some point, we have to move forward. I worry that we sometimes want to get the attention that we are a victim. Today, we try to celebrate, I'm a victim. I'm in a certain class of people. I'm a victim because my husband left me. I'm a victim because I'm this color or that color. I'm a victim because I'm of this sexual whatever. I'm a victim because of this, that, or the other thing. I'm a victim because I've got this disease. I got this victim. I'm a victim because this person did this. And you're starting to feel like a victim because you're telling everybody I'm a victim. But if we start thinking about, yes, but God can help me overcome. Yes, God has helped me overcome. Those things are past. I am looking forward. Let's start praising God for what he has done. Let's not focus on the losses. Let's not focus on the failures. 
uh, let's look and look forward. This becomes preventative. Because the one thing the devil wants is he wants us depressed and he wants us dragged down and he wants to pull us down so that we get nothing done for the Lord. And we miss out on the peace that passes understanding. The victory in Jesus, as we titled the sermon, you might think of the song, Victory in Jesus, he saved us, he's helped us. But he wants to guard our hearts and our minds Let's praise him for what he has done. We have to move forward. In verses 10 through 13, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said he has learned to be content. He has learned to be content. Have you learned to be content? That's a hard lesson. That's a hard lesson. How to be content. What Paul says he has learned how to be abased and how to abound. As I looked behind those words and into some of the meanings of the words that they're translated from, how to live humbly. And some of us can relate to how to live humbly. But I think our humble living that we think is humble, when I look at some of the people in different parts of the world, probably not as humble as we might think. How to live humbly and how to live prosperously. How to be filled and how to be in need or famished. And how to have plenty and having need. So how to be hungry, filled, Gorged, plenty of food, and how to be famished. You have some desires, some things, and how to have plenty and have need. How to have more enough and how to be without. How to have more enough. Now, how did Paul get to that place that he's okay and content and all those things? Yes, he had hungers and he has desires, things that he needed. And so if you're listening to and there, there's this, God wants you pot prosperous. Have you heard that? God wants you prosperous. You'll see it on a commercial. God wants you prosperous. God wants you all his is what God wants. And if it takes being humbly living and having to relying on God more, that's what God wants. God wants you prosperous in your relationship with him. He wants you close with him. But what is the source of your contentment? I want to keep bringing that up. What is the source of your contentment? Because he says in verse 13, people like to quote this scripture. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that includes 
what Paul just told us. And what did Paul just told us? I have learned to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everything and all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to suffer need. He's learned how to do that too. And you can do that through Christ that strengthens me. He can encompass this all. Do you trust God for your peace? What is the source of your happiness? So let's, let's give a couple examples. Let's play this out a little bit. I can relate to this one a little bit. My family will probably know what I'm talking about. But say you have a need to mow your grass. Now, I don't know about you, but your grass situation might not be my, the same as my grass situation, but I have a lot of places that need to be mowed. And so I'm sure that the solution is I need a large zero-turn mower. I think that would solve the problem. Now, that's my solution to my problem. So, the zero-turn mower I think I need is like, okay, can God help me with that zero-turn mower? Can God help me solve that zero-turn mower problem? And so, you know, you pray about it and stuff, but what if, some God, what if God sent somebody to mow the lawn? But see, that doesn't solve my problem because I need a zero-turn mower. No, no, the problem's not that I need a zero-turn mower. The problem is I need my, my lawn mowed. So are you trusting God to meet the need, like we said before, of my mower? Or is it, I'm expecting God to answer in a certain way. And so I'm praying to that end because that's what I'm anxious about. When is God going to provide me that thing? When is God going to provide it that way? Because I don't want to have to deal with... So I need God to answer in a certain way. You remember that story? I'm sure I've told that story. Maybe you may or may not remember the story. You know that story about the guy on the flood? Remember this story? The guys, the waters, the flood waters are coming up. And somebody comes by with a 4 by 4 You know, they got hot. They have a high truck. And they're coming through the water, but they can handle it. And they, hey, get in. I'll get you out of here. No, I'm trusting in the Lord. Well, the waters get high enough then that the truck can't get in. And so here comes a guy in a flat-bottom boat, and he's coming in, he's rowing in. Went, hey, get on the boat. I'll get you out of here from this flood. No, I'm trusting in the Lord. God will provide. And so finally the flood gets up. He's now up on the roof, and they bring over a helicopter and drop down a ladder, and they're like, hey, climb the ladder. We'll get you out of here. No, I'm trusting in the Lord. Well, the guy drowned as this illustration goes. And you might think he gets to heaven and he probably, you know, a question might be, God, why didn't you save me? I sent you the four by four. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. What more do you want? Sometimes God's providing us an answer and we don't want to accept the answer because it doesn't fit the resolution that we came up. We came up with. It fits the resolution. It doesn't fit that. But God wants to solve the problem, but because it doesn't match the way we want it to match. Some of you might not like to go to the dentist. You might be nervous about the dentist. And so you ask God to heal your tooth so you'll have to go. You want God to instantly heal it so you don't have to go to the dentist. 
But if, what if God wants to teach you that you can trust him even to go to the dentist? He's going to take care of your tooth through the dentist. But see, that's not the resolution you want. So have you turned over your teeth situation to God? Or you, have you just turned over that God's going to respond in the way you want? Paul had learned to be content in all these different situations. At some point we say, okay, God, I've got problems. I'm going to trust you with what the resolution should be and with resolving it. I'm not going to say, God, the resolution to my problem is this, and I'm really getting anxious and nervous because I want it to happen this way. And if you do this, it's all, that's going to be okay. But God, that's not happening. I don't see that happen. God, will you? Versus God, here. That's hard to do. But can we see that if we trust God with what's the right solution, what's the right resolution, and then trust God to bring the answer when it's time, how much more peaceful that is. You ever think about when, uh, when you would sc- uh, skin your knee, we just had Mother's Day, you skin your knee, you fall down, and something happens that you go, on, you go in, and you know mom's going to know what to do. And so it hurts, but mom's going to make it better. She's going to tell you it's okay, and then mom will, and there's just a peace and a comfort there, because or when somebody comes through the door and maybe you're in a trying situation and there's your husband and then there's, or there's your wife and it just makes you feel better. Makes you feel better. That's who God wants to be for you. You know the person that you have confidence in that if they're there in the room, they'll take care of it. I don't have to worry about it because if there's an issue over here, they've got it. If there's a situation, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. I know that they, they, could, they could take care of this for me and I wouldn't have to bear this. God's not there, right? If so-and-so was there, they would take care of it because God's not there, right? No, God is there. We just sometimes forget God's there. You know God can take care of that? What if he doesn't take care of it the way that you wanted him to take care of it? Is that okay? Is that okay? But can you see that if you're okay with however God wants to take care of it? How much more peaceful that will be? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we just let him... Sometimes we pick too many things up. Try to carry too many things. You ever thought about and praise God for the times that he has helped you? I know in my life, God sometimes brings windfalls of money along. Maybe you you might say windfalls of money. You know what I mean. You get it. There's a little bit of a bonus or somebody sends you money for something. And you're like, oh, great, I can go do this thing that I was planning on doing. I can buy that uh, zero-turn mower or, or my credit cards. I got, a, I, I got another credit card. It's big enough that I could, maybe I could do something. 
because you know credit cards solve all your problems. Don't isn't that right? It would seem that way when you're about college age, but then when you get a little bit older, you're like, uh-oh, that was a huge mistake. And if one call, credit card will solve the problem, just think what two or three credit cards will do. It's like taking pills or drinking alcohol. I'm just going to keep going. But if I have enough, because there's that windfall, and lo and behold, I need tires, or refrigerator breaks, or something like that, and now I can't go solve my other problem. And I lost track of the fact that God gave me money ahead of time for the problem that I was going to have that I didn't know about. He solved my immediate need when I'm worried about the need that he was taking care of in other ways already. You see where I got that all flipped over? I became the God of my problem. I owned it. Now i got to worry about it and stress about it. Do I have it right? But if I had, oh, thank you, God, for providing that need, and maybe I need to be a little more humble and not have it the way I want it, then it's hard. But can you see how that would be much more peaceful? And the peace that passes understanding? Maybe, maybe we need to trust God with the resolution. Can I get really real? You ever read that scripture? For all things work together to God, for, for good to them that love God and are called according to this purpose? Does it say in this lifetime? What if we trusted God with our eternity? Do we trust God with our eternity? When you go in for that procedure and you're in the hospital and you're trying to deal with all that, can you see how much more peaceful you would be if you said, you know, Like Paul says, you know, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Not that we go around wanting to die, but you see what the point is? If we trust God with the eternity, then some of the anxiety and some of the stress that I'm having might be something that I could have peace for instead. This next passage of scripture I wanted to share, I, I wrote it down and uh, it came to my mind and I'm like, should I read this or not? We're reminded in 2 Corinthians 12, chapter 7, Paul's talking about his thorn in the flesh. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Do we trust God to know what infirmities we can handle and what that can teach us and our dependence on him so that we don't get to the point like the Laodiceans and say, look, I am well, I'm doing everything right, look at me. It's okay that I get drunk every morning because I'm 95 years old. The secret to my long life might be that I'm a drunk. 
That doesn't seem to make sense. The infirmity keeps us dependent on God just a little bit. And maybe it's that, I don't know. But do we trust God with that as well? Do we trust God with our eternity? These are hard lessons. These are life lessons. These are challenging lessons. And at different ages and stages in our walk, it's like, wow, I don't know if I can do that. And I, it's hard. I'm not. And I'm somewhere in that, that spectrum. But can you see that if we trusted God with it all, that it would be so much more peaceful and enjoyable, and we could celebrate God? And then what if, what if instead of spending all our energy and spiritual energy about the problems that we have and the solutions we want, we trusted in God, and that made us happier and uplifting, that we could spend time helping other people that don't have Christ and other people that don't have that peace from God. What if instead of Satan and getting us drawn into this, that we were able to rejoice? And people say, wow, how do I have that peace? How can I have that victory in Jesus? Versus you look as miserable as I am, and I don't have Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. See, what did he say later on? He learned how to be content. These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. May we have victory in Jesus. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray that you would help us to truly trust in you, to trust you for our happiness, trust you with the resolution of problem, and not just demand that you solve the problem the way we want. And may we increase in our praise, our observation of how you have helped us. May we see that you're helping us. May help us not to make the mistake of the man that's standing on the roof that won't take the help that you've sent. Because it doesn't fit in the solution we thought. Help us recognize you're working in our life and give you praise and thanksgiving. And may that remind us of how dependent we are on you. And may it remind us of how dependent we've been on you and how that you've helped us. And may that all work together so that we might have that peace that passes understanding that through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. And may others see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. May we demonstrate the hope that we have in you, the hope that we have in eternal life, and may people not wonder, what's Christianity doing for them anyhow? Help us, Lord. Give us that peace. For those struggling with anxiety and depression, Lord, maybe this will help a little bit 
help it to lift them up and help them to think about things above. Let go of the past. Get those sins gone. Get those hurts gone. Don't let the devil to drag them down and get them compress them on wrong things. But may they look of the hope that you have in eternity for them, the hope if you have in this life for them. And may, Lord, we rest in you and have that peace that passes understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.